0: Objective, constructive, creative, solid vox. The voice of intellectual adventure proudly presents Egoist with Martin Lindeskog as we now cross to Gutenberg, Sweden. Good evening, Martin. We're ready for the next adventure.
1: Hello, Prodos. Uh, this is Martin Lindeskog from Gutenberg, Sweden. And uh, Today uh, I will talk to Edward Klein, author and novelist. So I look forward very much to that. Over to you, Broados.
0: Short but sweet, Martin. We will like it. Okay, let's do an ad. Let me tell you something very scary about robots. There are now factories run almost entirely by robots robots. Yes, real live robots. They build cars. They assemble refrigerators. They mine for precious minerals. There's almost nothing that robots can't do. And what's really scary is that soon we'll have factories run by robots building more robots. If you've seen movies like Terminator or iRobot, you'll know what I mean. But what's even more terrifying than robots building robots is when a domain name sells domain names. This is what it's come to. A dot .com that sells dot .coms, that sells them at prices that are, frankly, taking over this world. I love protoss.com now offers terrifying, death-defying, low, low prices on .com domains. 7 $7.85 per year? It's like they're screaming at me, man. Buy a domain name. Buy a domain name. Get a .com. $7.85. For God's sake, what's become of us? Damn you, capitalism. Damn you all. Look at what you've done to my .com world. All right, go. Go to iLoveProdos. Com for this godforsaken world's cheapest .dot com domains. You love shopping at the online mega store that shouts, "We love capitalism." I love Prodos .dot com. And now we cross back to the egoist with Martin Linderskog on the Solid Vox Network, the voice of intellectual adventure.
1: Thanks, Prodos informative as always.
0: Thank you. <laughs> and, <laughs> Terrifying, too, right? Eh?
1: <laughs> yes, uh, and we will have a plug for that soon on .com. Uh, today I'm talking to Edward Klein. Uh, uh, Edward, could I say Ed, or should we say Edward?
2: Ed, Ed is fine.
1: Ed is fine. Yes. Ed, then you could start out with uh, do a plug for your website?
2: Uh, What's the uh, URL? Well my my website's name is edwardklein.com Edward uh with no space uh either caps or or lower case doesn't matter and you can send me email via that and I get plenty of fan mail uh from my uh, from my website uh, and on it you will find uh, a couple of essays and write-ups on on the various uh the various titles in the sparrowhawk series uh which is which is practically the only the only you uh, literary work of mine that i that i uh that i that i promote on it and i have two uh two two out of print novels of mine that, that that were published first prize and and Whisper the guns Uh but you will have to search to search amazon for those
1: okay it's great. Uh, and we will talk more about your books and, and uh, so on in the in first segment here. Sure. Uh, I want to talk about this whispering guns. But first, could you tell me about your uh, uh, start as a career as an author? What made you come up to thinking writing novels and uh, other other uh, books?
2: Well, I. Uh... I was fortunate to grow up, uh, here, here in the U.S., uh, during the golden age of television, and, uh, in the 1950s, and I saw, and that more or less was, was my inspiration to, uh, to want to become, uh, uh to want to become a writer, and, uh, and a novelist. And so after that I was always uh, making up stories for myself when when I was a kid and then when I got out of high school,
0: went into the air
2: force because I was gonna be drafted anyway. Uh, I uh I gave myself an education after after my service and I and I began to, uh, uh writing uh, writing uh
0: very, very seriously
2: for about ten years until I until I produced my, my first professional novel, which was Whisper the Guns is uh,
1: okay. a suspense novel set set in Hong Kong. Great. And I want to talk about that one. Uh is it still available? Could you buy it uh, from the publisher? Because it's Well, Well, the
2: publisher uh went out of business shortly after that was published. Uh and it was a private it was a small it was a small yeah. company and it was uh, it was about to publish the second in that series uh we, We Three Kings, uh, which features Merit Fury ha- as an American businessman, and, uh, in that one he, uh, he takes on a, uh, a Saudi Sheikh and, uh, bests him. Uh, uh, but,
0: uh, and I wrote a third, which was the final in that
2: series, and then I turned to, turned to writing, writing detective novels. Okay. Uh, which is well, a Uh Yeah,
1: we'll talk about The Three Kings soon. Because uh, I checked out The Rule of the Reason by Nick Provenzo. and You started out uh, writing about the Sparrowhawk series and other things. And uh, got some interesting comments there. Uh, For example, from one of my friends, Chris, he wrote about uh, uh, following up of this Whispering Guns. And we could talk about this with with We, The Three Kings. But first, uh, I want to relate to these Whispering Guns, uh, because I I did a trip to Hong Kong in 1992, and I was very inspired uh, by that trip and almost thinking of uh, working there, uh, because it's great. uh, Then it was free at that time, uh, Hong Kong. And also that I have worked in uh, uh, the business of buying raw materials. So could you tell me a bit... More about the scenery and the background of uh, the story, of Hong Kong, and also something about raw materials.
2: Well, I, uh, I have uh, that's my first Mary Fury novel, and he's in his late twenties. He is in a partnership called the Blue List Tungsten Trading Company, and he's flown from New York to Hong Kong uh, for a business meeting with, with his partners, and uh, and some skull skull duggery was was. Was afoot, and he discovers it, and he, dis- and he discovers that the, the senior, one of the senior partners, is actually he's a red Chinese agent, although uh, although he's British, <laughs> and, uh, and it turns out that the uh, that the uh, that the has to do with the conspiracy to conspiracy more or less to take over take over Hong Kong, especially especially the, the tungsten mine, to uh, to supply the Red Chinese Army with, with necessary raw materials, and of course, Marichu fights it, and he gets the best of everyone, and uh, it has a sort of a happy, happy, tragic ending. And that was my introduction. It took me two years to write it. I, I happened to be working for, happened to be working for Business Week at the time, and I availed myself of the Business Week library. And people who have read the novel are are absolutely flabbergasted because they read it and they say it was just like being there. When were you there last? And the truth is, I was was never in Hong Kong.
1: Okay, maybe we could do a trip there when uh, Hong Kong is uh, free again, if that will will happen. Yeah.
2: And your Uh, next question.
1: Yes. Uh, regarding this, uh, Chris, he, he asked about uh, follow-up with Merit Fury um, about, an, like, an objectivist James Bond taking on, for example, Islamic totalitarian yeah. or uh, some others. And you wrote a rep- reply on that. Could yes, you uh, yeah. talk about about that a bit?
2: Sure. Well, uh, uh, it, it, it's a few years later. Merit Fury is, a, is is a few years older, and. Uh, he, he interrupts a mugging in New York City, and uh, this, fellow, this fellow is being mugged, and he, he actually kills, kills, the, kills, the, kills the two muggers, but the victim escapes. He later learns that the, the victim uh, was, a, was, was a New York City property owner who owns a very rare uh, gold British coin. And it turns out that, that Assadi Sheikh, who was building a big museum here, um, back in, back in, back in, back in Riyadh uh, wanted every one of this limited edition, uh, 1855 gold, five pounds of gold coin to decorate the ceilings with. And this victim had the very last one and he wasn't willing to sell it. And it turns out that the, uh, of course, the State Department uh, wants to give the Saudi Sheikh for 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 just for just for just for just political reasons wants to give the uh, Saudi Sheikh carte blanche to deal with Fury, who now owns owns this coin because the victim presented it to Fury as a token as a token of, token of thanks, and the shake, uh, Saudi Sheikh Saudi Sheikh learns that, and so he so he goes after Fury, and she, of course Fury fights back. And he more or less, and that's a, it's a form of totalitarianism. It's a form of, uh, using, using force because the State Department more or less tells, tells the local authorities, stay off this. Uh, because we want this to happen and we, because we want amicable relations with the Saudi family. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you what the end of it is, but, uh, but fury, fury triumphs. Yeah,
1: it looks like a, Fascinating story, and I hope you will publish it sometime uh, well, in the some future. Oh, it, it isn't up to me. It's, uh, up,
2: it, it's up to the uh, to the uh, to the American uh, publishing uh, uh, industry.
1: And as, okay. a, as I
2: remarked in one of my uh, postings, uh, I don't think the American publishing industry has uh, has uh, has recovered from the Danish cartoon crisis, so they're oh. not likely to go uh. with it.
1: Too. Uh, we will we will try to see what we could do that because that sounds like a great book. Uh, uh, to round out uh, the first segment, I wonder if you could uh, comment, and that's also also about uh, you wrote about your because next segment we'll talk about sparrowhawk, and you yeah. wrote about your style of speech and. Uh, uh, I quote here, my goal in most of the dialogue in Sparrowhawk was to c- accomplish precision and understatement at the same time. That's the beauty of articulate, written, and spoken British English. And I wonder, uh, uh, what do you think about P.G. Woodhouse and uh, uh, his Jeeves and Wooster and that dialogue and wit and so on, and the English, oh. British English?
2: Well, I love it. and uh, why? Well, well, I should have noted that the British English of of the of the eighteenth century, because British English is also has also changed uh in some respects uh actually actually become better and in some respects uh I think it, it is uh, it is it is deteriorating but uh
0: but I enjoy the novels
2: of uh, P G Woodhouse and, and other other uh British writers. Uh, that's it's where I where I picked up a lot of my a lot of my style uh, from, from simply studying that, and I, which I which I enjoy a lot. Uh, but the 18th century British English, uh, that was that was a challenge because I had to I had to I had to emulate it, but not actually write it. If I if I if I had written. The uh, dialogue and the descriptions and the narrative in, in actual 18th century English—I would have put too many people, uh, too many people uh, uh, to sleep because uh, I can't stand, except except for some of the 18th century plays, such as Richard Brinsley Sheridan's plays—I can't stand to read 18th century novels. Uh, and, just, and sort of and a kind 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 of revolt against that was the novel that I had. my Kelly gang outlaw right, which was hyperborea, and he sort of anticipates the nineteenth century romantic novel in that and I don't go into detail uh, but i mean, i it's I, I just i just enjoy writing in that series so most of my favorite uh t v series happen to be british 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 produced series because because of the language and uh, and, and, the, and, and the writing and so forth, and the usually, usually the cast, the cast is able is able to carry it off. Uh, one of my favorite programs have, happened to be The Prisoner. I love I love the dialogue in that in that in that in that in that, in that series.
1: Great, that's uh, very interesting. And we will talk more about Hyperbury and your inspiration and, and some other things in the second segment. So now, Prodos, back to you for some uh, infomercial.
0: Thank you, Martin. Thanks, Ed. Uh, fascinating stuff, by the way, gentlemen. I'm really uh, getting inspired listening to what's uh, being discussed here. Here's an ad. Have you listened lately to the Danish cartoon caricatures of the Prophet Muhammad? No? Well, they're a riot. But they're about the only thing not available currently at the iLoveProdos.com audiobook e-shop. You can buy or rent from the world's biggest and brainiest collection of audiobooks. All available right now from iLoveProdos.com. Enrich your mind, find inspiration, have a laugh, use your time efficiently with the massive range of top quality Audiobooks available right now at iloveprodos.com. We've got history, novels written by geniuses, humorous short stories, audiobooks about science and technology, and lots, lots more. You can own audiobooks of Ayn Rand's novels, such as Anthem, Atlas Shrugged, The Fountainhead. You can own audiobooks about Thomas Jefferson and the American Founding Fathers. You can listen to the complete and unabridged versions of P.J. O'Rourke's hilarious and devastating works, such as Parliament of Whores, or All the Trouble in the World, The Lighter Side of Overpopulation, Famine, Plague and Poverty. And at iloveprotos.com, we've got over 1,500 newspaper and magazine titles, all available in audio book form. Biographies, science fiction, philosophy, economics, romance, self-improvement, how to succeed in business, listen and learn. Whether you're one of those people, just like me, who really loves learning and improving himself, or... Whether you're one of those other people, just like me, who enjoys a good laugh and a good story, let us delight you today. Let us invite you today to visit the online megastore that shouts, We Love Capitalism. Go shopping at Prodos. Not currently available in Syria, Pakistan, Iran, Lebanon and other theocratic dictatorships across the Middle East. And we now cross back to The Egoist with Martin Linderskog on the Solid Vox Network, the voice of intellectual adventure.
1: Thanks, Protoss. So soon, uh, probably, uh, Edward Klein's books could be online uh, for sales on your store also. Wow,
0: that'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to to have that happen, absolutely.
2: I would love to to have it happen too. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Incidentally,
2: uh, the Library of Congress here is is reading the whole series for the blind, but I'm not allowed to hear it because I'm not blind. <laughs> I saw, uh the the fellow who is actually who who is actually doing reading the series, and he he's he, he's he's reading it under 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 contract, and one of the stipulations is that it is exclusively for the use of the Library of Congress. And only, only, only blind people can, uh, I can actually hear it. And right. he had the courtesy to call me and tell me about it because I wasn't aware of it. Neither, neither was the publisher. And I spoke with him over the phone and, uh, and he, and he, and he, and he apologized uh, for the fact that he wasn't allowed to, he wasn't allowed to let me hear it.
0: Amazing. All right, I'll better leave you to to Martin now. Over to you, Martin Lindeskog. <laughs> yeah, amazing and we will stuff. talk
1: about your readership and also the international readership and the feedback that you got. But first, uh, about your Sparrowhawk series, and uh, I wonder you wrote uh, on the rule of reason here. have a historical record and it should be correct but on the same time it should be a romantic romantic uh, novel and it's only right. a background could you explain in a bit that further and also we could start out with the feedback and comments you got from historians and people who are interested in accurate history and then we could also talk about uh, others that have
2: I had planned to set a large part of the story in this region, which is the uh, which is the Hampton Roads area and, uh, and, uh, in in uh, Virginia, and uh, and I even had the town of Paxton, which which I introduced in book three, uh, had that situated on the on the York River, uh, and. Uh, I moved here chiefly because of the, uh, other research facilities. There's the, uh, John D. Rockefeller Library up at, uh, the Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia Historical Society, American Museum Archives, and other, and other venues, uh, which would have the information that I would need in order to compile information in order to, in order to better understand the period. I already knew a lot about it, but I needed a lot of detail. I needed to be here for the intangibles, such as the weather and the flora and the the fauna. Uh,
0: And I already
2: knew England, so I I didn't need to go to England to do do any research there. What I needed was the information here. And as I note in in the rule of reason piece, there were large gaps in the the record, not only uh, having to do with uh, with, with 18th century Britain, but uh, but with 18th 18th century Virginia. Uh, and those those gave me gave those gave me entree uh, to to write my own story because I, because it was too important for, it was too the story was too important to me to make something up I mean I wasn't writing a novel about the Three Musketeers uh, dealing with Cardinal Richelieu's machinations I was writing a very serious epic. And I wanted the, and I wanted the record to be, I wanted to adhere to the record whenever it was possible, whenever it didn't get in the way of my story. And I, I found ample, ample, uh, ample, ample opportunity to do that, uh, as I uh, discussed in the whole reason piece, uh, uh, in the General Assembly here in the 18th century uh, up in, up in Williamsburg, uh, the. General Assembly journals were, was so, was so dry and so, and so, uh, so short, uh, that I could virtually, virtually do anything I wished because there were no recorded speeches. Most orators in Britain and in Virginia did not record their speeches because oratory was a, was a profession and very few of them thought that it was worth, worth their time to actually sit down and record what they said in Parliament or in the General Assembly. Which is why I had to write Patrick Henry's speech, his uh, to write his Stamp Act speech, in in, in book four, uh, and I loved the speech writing because it, because it, because it, because he it gave me an opportunity to to express a lot of ideas, pro and con, or rather from uh, from both sides both sides of the uh, of the aisle, so to speak, uh, and to bring out the worst and to bring out the best. Uh, but I, but I spent I a great deal of time in the Rockefeller Library, at the Virginia Historical Society, and, and, and other venues, just coming up with such, such things as names, uh, names of the characters, because there are a lot of a lot of names of 18th century names that are simply simply vanished, such as Cephas. I don't, I don't know anybody in my anyone living today who uh, who has such an has such an unattractive name, uh, but I found I, to find some beauties such as reverdy uh, in in a in a uh, ship ship passenger list
0: and there was no there was no profession
2: attached to it there was no there was no gender noted so I decided that it was going to be going to be a be a woman's name uh, and the name simply stood by itself freak Jack freak uh, the first hero that I introduced uh, freak is uh, was was Old English for we call for what we say uh, call "freak" today, but back in uh, back in 14 to fifteenth centuries, "freak" was a man who was out who who was outstanding. And over and over a, and over a passage of time, the name uh, the name t- took on a different spelling. And in our own time, in 19th century, and the 20th century,
0: uh, it took on
2: uh, it took on a wholly a wholly negative. And, and I, I just had I just had a lot of fun just in building, putting together all the character names, uh, and there are 373 of them throughout throughout the whole series. Uh, most of them most of them fictive, uh, but then I have you know such men as you know, Jefferson and Washington, George 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 Grenville, and Thomas Thomas Watley, and other actual persons from the from the period. You have a question.
1: Yes, and uh, we will soon take for a third segment, but we will do a short one here uh, about uh, the romances, but hopefully we will uh, continue with that third segment and also on uh, dialogue on weblogs and so on. Because I must say, as an outstanding person, I must admit, I only have started with uh, the first book, yet, Freik, so I look yeah. forward to read the other five here. And uh, a comment by Joseph Kellard, uh, American individualist, uh, he said that uh, it's uh, under appreciated, particularly by objectivists. Uh, however, I believe that will post like ads this year's will become a late bloomer. The objectivist and non-objectivist alike will eventually come to see Sparrowhawk as the true toward the force it is. And I uh, believe that too. And I must say, only talking with you like this is giving me lots of inspiration as an american in spirit could you comment on your uh, re- readership if you have an international readership and also by people who are not uh, objectivist and, and uh, how people have uh, comment you said you got lots of fan mail oh
2: yes i, I get lots of fan mail
1: uh
2: from uh, mostly from the us uh the second second rank uh, ranking number of fan mail uh, in terms of volume of fan mail, uh, will come from Britain. Uh, but I've, but people from all over the world, uh, come to my book signing table. I, I, in fact, when I, when I get off the phone here, I'll be going up, going up to, up to Colonial Weavesburg to do, uh, to do it under book signing. And that is a perfect place to spread the seed uh Because everyone from all over the world comes comes to Colonial Williamsburg, passes through there, passes passes my my, my book signing table, and I have sold sold copies practically every every nationality under, under the sun except French. I don't understand why.
1: <laughs> I have a clue, but
2: uh, I uh, well, I have a clue too, but but I don't want to but I don't want to risk a defamation suit here.
1: No, but we 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 will we will do it as a mission to try to sell it to uh, France also and French readership. I think we will have some, but could buy it. So we will uh, get over to produce again uh, for another ad, and then we will do the third segment and talk about your plans and uh, some other things. Sure.
0: Thanks, Martin. Thanks, Ed. Here's an ad. Okay, Missa, let's go, Hong Kong. You ready? Wait up now, see? New York, New York. Start spreading the new see? Well, even today. Wait one minute, please. We all have all the new things here. New city, new business. It's all hustle and bustle. Wonderful, wonderful Transylvania. Un momento, a prego. Italy, Italia. It's a bellissimo. Come a mangiare, come a dance, and laugh. We must love you to be in Rome now. Mamma mia. I say there, old chap. Actually, I'm in the mood for a bit of Buckingham Palace. Maybe it's because I'm a Londoner that I love London town. But seriously, ladies and gentlemen, whenever and wherever you're ready to travel, you can find the best darn deals on the planet at the iloveprotos.com International Travel Centre. Just get online and visit iloveprotos.com. Have a browse, have some fun. Select your destination and check our comparison search engine. We'll give you not only the lowest prices, but also the biggest range of alternative routes and airlines available across the globe. Whether you're traveling to Texas to buy a ranch, to Italy to pick up your Ferrari, or to Greece to say Yasu to the heart and soul of civilization we can help you get there whether you're visiting your great-aunt in bulgaria or heading to hollywood to take your chances we can help to get you there you can even book hotels and hire cars at iLoveProdos.com. try it in fact try it even if you're not planning to travel Just for fun. Just to see what's possible. Just to get a sense of what a big, wide, wonderful world we live in. Wow. I think I just put myself in the mood for Brazil. you love the online megastore that shouts, we love capitalism. I love Prodos.com. And now, my dear fellow thinkers across the globe, let's zoom across this earth to hear more fresh thinking with the egoist with Martin Linderskog online from Gutenberg, Sweden on the Solid Vox network, the voice of intellectual adventure.
1: Thanks, Prodos. Uh pleasure. Thank you very much for your uh, uh, adventure trips, uh, and uh, I'm definitely going to Yorktown, Virginia, if I'm uh, invited, Ed. <laughs> you're
0: getting another wow, invitation. Well, you're eh?
1: invited, but you have to pay. Have to pay. Pay to pay. He wants, a, pay free, he wants
0: a free. lunch. You know that, Ed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some, obje- of some objectivist Some objective as he turned out to be.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But with uh, produce uh, good rates, I will get a good flight.
0: So Damn right, you will. I will
1: gladly pay that.
0: <laughs> okay. So
1: and and talk about that. But I want to hear uh, wh- where is the place Hyperborea and uh, people coming from there? And could you uh, tell us more about that inspiration and also this romanticist uh, tradition that you are building here?
2: Well, I, uh, because, uh, well, let me see, I wanted to give uh, both my heroes, because you haven't started book two yet, but Hyperborea, well, Hyperborea figures throughout the whole series. Uh,
0: I wanted to give,
2: as I, as I think I explained elsewhere, I wanted to give Jack Frank and Hugh Kenrick, whom whom you'll meet in book two when he's a bully, uh, some sort of uh, literary inspiration other than what was available in in the 18th century, and so I had to come up with my own 18th century novel uh, that was not an 18th century novel. Now, it was Hyperborea, and it's kind of and it served as as a kind of fountainhead for for those for those for those two heroes. Uh, Jack Frank was actually present when it was being written by by his friend the outlaw. And uh saw, saw it published, and then he then he saw it saw it being burned at the uh, well, you will find out uh, and and Euchenrich, uh is actually given a copy of that novel sent some years later by his father as a sort of sort of reward for not bowing to the Duke of cumberland uh and and eukenic discovers its value and it's uh and it's a sort of a sort of an allegorical symbol. For the country that they both wind up in, which is America. Uh, in Hyperborea, according to Greek, uh, to, to, to Greek legend, it was a land, uh, north of, uh, north, north of Sweden, definitely. <laughs> north of It was, and it was a mythological land, uh, something like Atlantis, in which people were productive and happy and, uh, and they were insulated from the uh, from the uh, nonsense of the rest of the world, and uh, so that was, as I said, that was. I say here, I was just re- making some notes this morning. Hyperborea is a symbol of the vision that moves Jack Frank and Hugh Kenrick. a vision of the possible, not in just not in uh, not in the far future, but within within their lifetime.
1: Uh, and I think, uh,
2: I think that more or less, uh, sums up for the moment what I have to say about the fictive novel.
1: Oh, great. That's a great inspiration there. And, uh, I wonder about some of your comments you got on Amazon and so on. And also, could you tell us about your sales, uh, figures? And you said that you haven't sold so much in France yet, but the rest of the world. Uh, do you want uh, to comment on the... that?
2: Yeah, uh, the rest of the world, uh, I, well the sale, the sales of, of the, of the, of all the series, of all the series titles, there are five out, book six, the last in series will, will come out in, uh, in, uh, in uh, December. And Colonial Weingsburg is actually, the Colonial Weingsburg bookstore is planning a big special event for that. Because everyone, everyone is waiting for book six. Uh, and I tell people, I, it's not my schedule, it's the publisher's schedule. Uh,
0: because everyone knows that that is a
2: culmination. It ends, uh, it begins with a sparrowhawk, which is a merchant vessel that figures throughout the whole series. And it ends with the, with the sparrowhawk. Uh, and I'm not going to give anything else away. Uh, but Jack Freak is there, and Hugh, Hugh Kenrick is there, and, and it's, uh, I end the series precisely September 1st, 1775, over on, on the York River. Here, which is about a three minute walk from my, from my house. And, uh, sales figures are way, are, are in the tens of thousands. Uh, I get a royalty check maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe twice a year. Uh, but the big, the big sale will be if my publisher can sell, can sell, can sell the option for the, for the movie rights. And my, my, and my, in my ideal format for a movie of the whole Sparrowhawk series would be a sort of a masterpiece theater format uh, with two hours devoted to each to each of the books. That's that's the only way that, that this epic can be can be done any kind of justice. It would have to be a largely uh, British Australian whatever uh, cast because I don't think there are very very many very many American actors who were, who would be able to understand what i understand the the actual material enough to to credibly pull it off uh but i you know, but the sales the sales are basically u s sales but but there's a big there's a big and growing uh portion of uh, of uh, of international sales My publisher just signed a big contract with random house canada and with random House dell Canada, and the books will be distributed up uh until that deal I had very few very few Canadian customers coming you know, coming to my book signing table. Now they're, now they're coming, coming you know in the uh, in the dozens because they've heard of it.
1: Wow that's great it was interesting here that you answered some of my questions before I asked them. Uh, it was about this book six I, I was wondering about some tidbits for my uh, listeners uh, but yeah. now I know that uh, we have to wait and see and that's probably the best way. And also that uh, uh, the future plans. I was thinking of asking a question about the movie or a TV series or something like yeah. that. And that sounds uh, like a great uh, news, and we will hope that will uh, come through. Is it anything I... else you want to well, tell uh, our listeners? Maybe well, you could plug your uh, website again.
2: Uh, sure. Well, my second uh, preferred format for, for any kind of movie production would be what was done with the Harry Potter novel. Come out with three movies.
0: Uh, First movie would
2: be the first two books. Second uh, movie would be the second two books, and the third would be the last two books. Uh, That 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 would do it justice. And I think I think Hollywood. uh, I think if this if it was ever produced in that format, Hollywood would really be raking in the money if it was done right. Uh, but I'm a little leery of signing any kind of a Hollywood contract because I know what they what they do what they do to good stories, which is turn them into trash today, and have been. Well, if you've read any you know any of, if you've read of Iron Rand's experiences in the, back in back in Hollywood in the and 20s and 30s and 40s, uh, things have gotten worse, and it was bad back then. <laughs> hmm. So I uh, I I I will be on my guard. Um, except, you know, if I had, you know, some sort of assurances, you know, written legal assurances from a from a studio or, or even from a from a director that it would be shot not to not to not to derogate the series or turn it into a comedy. Um uh, because it's not a comedy at all. It is an epic, it is, it's it's inspired a lot of people it's actually teaching people the series, titles of the series are actually being used in college and high school Liter- literature courses now and also middle school.
0: And uh, I haven't encountered
2: one seven or eight year old who hasn't read the first page of book one and not been hooked. Hmm.
1: That's very great to hear. I mean, this has been a very inspirational uh, talk much and thank you very much for your time, Ed. It was and, too short uh, of time. O- <laughs> yeah, but we will talk soon again, hopefully. <laughs> all right. we, will, we will follow up it by blog posts and other things like that also. Sure. Yeah. I thank you again, Ed, and thanks, as always, Protos is taking care of all the technical things and keeping us in line. So over Keep to you, Protos.
0: Thank you very thank much. Thank you, Protos. Oh, great pleasure. It's, uh, it really was a wonderful journey that you took us on, Ed. Uh, you've been listening to the Solid Vox Network, presenting The Egoist with Martin Lindescog. You can listen uh, to this show at egoist.solidvox.com or just go to solidvox.com. Our special guest has been Edward Klein, uh, an author of Adventure on The Voice of Intellectual Adventure. And don't forget to visit uh, Ed's site at edwardklein.com. been a great pleasure having you with us, gentlemen. All the best. Thank you.